Hi, welcome to Teach Me Biology, our revision podcast for A-level biology students. I'm Ria Corbett. And I'm Sarah Matthews. Hi. I'm Ria Corbett. Is that right? Hi. Isn't that your name? No, but is that what I say? (laughs) Uh, I'm Ria Corbett. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ria Corbett. I'm a science teacher with biology specialism. And on Teach Me Biology, I am teaching my co-host and little sister... Sarah Matthews. Biology A-level topic by topic to hopefully provide you, our lovely listeners, with an audio revision resource. Yes, we hope that you incorporate us into your revision and as a part of your learning journey. Dip in and out, listen to the episodes on your weaker topics or use us as your audio biology bible. Whatever you need us for, we are here. Episode 53, Methods of Classification. So we looked last week at what it takes to classify different organisms. And we learnt what the taxonomy was yes. and, the phy- and what phylogeny was and that sort of thing. And today we're just looking at different methods that can be used to actually ensure that they do go into the right group and they are classified as a separate species if they are one and so on. And on a phylogeny tree, how close they need to be to different species to represent how most recently they diverged. Are you quite enjoying yourself? <laughs> Sarah's got a new mic set up today. She's loving life. So we're going to be looking at courtship behaviour as a necessary precursor to successful mating and the role of courtship in species recognition. We're going to appreciate that advances in immunology and genome sequencing help to clarify evolutionary relationships between humans. And we're going to look at being able to measure genetic diversity in terms of four different things. So base sequences of DNA, base sequences of mRNA, the amino acid sequence of proteins and the frequency of measurable or observable characteristics. So that is how we can make comparisons between organisms to see what groups they need to be in in terms of taxonomy. A species, we've covered this about five times now, mm-hmm. a species is a population of the same thing that has to breed within themselves to make more of the same. Is that right? Yeah, but again, it's, it's the wording. It's the wording that's important. So it's it's a group of individuals that can mate and produce fertile offspring. So you're saying they have to be able to go on and make more mm-hmm. of their species. Okay, yeah. And that's the important bit. In a more scientific way, we're saying they have to be fertile offspring. It's really important that in order for them to breed to make the offspring that will be fertile, that they can individuals can recognise members of their own species in order to mate with them. And courtship behaviour is one of the ways that they can do that. And courtship behaviour is actually a genetically determined behaviour. Some courtship behaviours can be absolutely amazing. Some can be a bit gross. But it's worth actually watching Life Story Courtship, which is a BBC programme, Life Story. That is another one of David Attenborough's shows. It's a BBC show. It's called Life Story. And there's an episode called Courtship. And it's worth you watching that episode just to sort of get an idea of the types of courtship that can happen. And I think it might be worth, Sarah, as just stopping for a minute to watch a couple of quick clips so that you can see a few. Okay. Okay. We'll be back in a minute. I'll be back. We're back. Are you enlightened? We watched... Two different birds, a paradise one, and the other one was called what? A bower. A bower. I could put links in the description of 
I'll description. Put links in the you don't in want the show notes. <laughs> I'll put links in the description of the episode of the episode. Yeah, the show notes in the show notes. We watched a couple of birds that sort of dance and and do specific actions. Mm-hmm. Um, like the bowerbird had to dilate its pupils like so many times, and then it had to do a weird like. Waving of its, its wings wave, around certain waving of its wings and And then it had like a little blue berry in its mouth and it's going, Mmm, berry <laughs> But that is a, a specific thing that it needs to do in that order in order to entice that female bird in. And the bird itself was all beautiful, like yellow, reds, orange colours on its feathers. And so then the it was female really one was colourful. just like beige. She was just plain, really plain bird. Yeah. So plain Jane. Um that is the sort of courtship that we're kind of talking about here and like i say it is genetically determined because that bower bird will not be able to entice in any other species of bird with that behavior it will Mm -hmm. only be one of its own species that will recognize that as a call for mating basically Mm -hmm. okay in order for that species to continue in order for their genes to continue they've got to be able to recognize each other as being their their own species so say he didn't dilate his pupils specific enough, she wouldn't be interested, she would leave. Insects, they'll have like a specific amount of like taps they must do with their leg. They'll be, same with spiders, there'll be insects that maybe have to do a certain amount of clicks and that sort of thing with their tongue or with something on their body. And if they don't do it in the right way, at the right time, then the female won't be interested and, and they'll have to find a different female to try and do their behaviour for. That's how specific it can be. There's lots and lots of studies on different insects where maybe they have to flap their wings a certain amount of times to make a noise. And if one of them's got like a short wing or a broken wing, they can't do it. So they can't mate. So they're at a disadvantage because the female never recognises that as mating behaviour or a courtship behaviour, right. sorry. So it's really down to the right level of, like the right pitch, the right tone, the right number, the right speed. You know, it's got to be the right mm-hmm. thing for that species because they'll probably be a very closely related species that do a very similar courtship behaviour but it isn't the right pitch or it isn't the right number of taps or whatever it is, yeah. you know. This behaviour is really, really important to ensure that you can recognise members of their own species. It's also important because you have to be able to use this behaviour to identify a mate that's actually capable of breeding. So not only have you found somebody that is your own species, they also need to be capable of breeding as well. So they need to be at the right age. So they need to be sexually mature. They need to be fertile at that time to increase the chances of sperm and egg meeting and actually producing offspring so it's not all a big waste of energy. And also that the female is receptive to it as well. An awful lot of energy goes into, say, a bowerbird building a big nest. That's the first thing that the female sees in order to come and even hang around for a minute long enough for him to do his dance and his eye thing and all that, you know, this mesmerising eye pupil thing that he was doing. And all those things together, for most species, allows them to form a pair bond. And that pair bond allows them to produce the offspring and do whatever it takes to raise that offspring for however long it takes for them both to be a part of that if they do need to be. Mm-hmm. It allows for that period of time to form that bond to have and raise the offspring as needed. But a lot of the sequences of the behaviour, there are some that actually involve both female and male, so that it'll start off with the male and then the female has to respond in a certain way and then the male will continue his courtship behaviour 
and then the female has to respond in a certain way. If she doesn't respond in a certain way, he thinks she's not interested, so moves on. There can be a lot of complexity to courtship behaviour. That's the first thing that can kind of classify species. You can do lots of studies into courtship behaviour and watch it, film it, even if you've got the animals themselves in a lab or in a particular place where you're observing that kind of behaviour, even if it's not in the natural world, you can still capture that and then you can look how closely the courtship behaviour is and, and that can help you to classify things. But more importantly, it allows animals to, to find each other, to recognise each other, and that's the most important thing. So that's the first sort of method that we wanted to discuss. And again, a brilliant programme, as I said, BBC series is called Life Story and the episode is called Courtship. Moving on, so there are a few other ways that scientists can, if they can obtain relevant cells or bits of information from the species, they can actually analyse quite a bit about the species in order to classify them. This is sort of how we can compare the genetic diversity of different species, between species and within species, in order to classify them into the right groups. Now, one of the most used methods which actually would be quite obvious, really, is to just look at external, observable or measurable characteristics. That would be the traditional comparisons sort of made because observable characteristics, things about the body, are caused by genes, aren't they? So the fact that you've, right down to having four limbs, that's caused by a genetic trait. So other animals that also have four limbs will definitely be in the same phylum as you or the same kingdom as you or whatever. It classifies things into the right groups in the first place. So when we talk about observable characteristics, seeing things that you can observe, we're talk- we are literally talking about those sorts of things like number of arms, number of legs, number of eyes, what the skin looks like, you know, that kind of thing. The position of the eyes, those are the sorts of things that uh-huh. can be observed and obviously measured as well, sort of like presence of hair, texture of the hair or, and fur colour of it you know all those sorts of things are important in terms of like measurable characteristics observable characteristics the only problem with that is the limitations that can sometimes be caused by the fact that observable external characteristics can be affected by the environment that can sometimes stop that from being a particularly good thing to use but it generally works okay the other things that can be used are comparisons of the genetics in the cells say you have a gene say you're trying to compare two different species to each other see how closely related they are and both of those species produce the same hormone that does the same job in both the bodies there's going to be a gene for that hormone in both of their separate sets of chromosomes right if you can sequence that and actually look at maybe the bases that that gene is made of if you could look at the amino acids that the actual hormone itself the sequence of the amino acids that the actual bases themselves code for or if you actually look at the mrna that is transcribed from the bases on the dna then you could see how closely related they are so they produce the same hormone but there might be ever so slightly slight differences in the base sequence that makes that hormone. Right. So say the base sequence is completely identical apart from one base. I'd say they're quite closely related. Mm-hmm. Say there was 10 differences in the base sequence of both of them, more distantly related maybe. Right. More differences there are, 
the less likely they are to be that closely related. Uh-huh. So as I said, you could look at the DNA, you could extract the DNA, find that sequence for that gene and look at each individual base and compare the two species genes and see if the base sequence was the same, how many differences there were. Or you could look at the mRNA that's transcribed from that, that's used to carry to the ribosome. Do you remember that from transcription mm-hmm. and translation? So you could look at the mRNA sequence and do the same thing, see how closely matched they are, same sequence of mRNA bases or nucleotides. Or you could look at the actual amino acid sequence that comes from that. So do you remember we talked about every three bases codes for one amino acid. So you could actually look at the amino acid sequence that actually makes the hormone protein and compare those two to each other. It's better if you use either the mRNA or the DNA because there's more to look at. There's less amino acids in the sequence to compare because obviously the DNA basis is going to be three times as long, isn't it? So there's more to compare, so it's mm-hmm. better. You'll have a better comparison. Yeah. But you could look at the amino acid sequence. And as I said, the more differences between the two, the less, less likely, likely they are, the more distantly related yeah. they are rather than closely related. That would be a way of putting species onto a phylogeny tree to see overall from their common ancestor how closely related they are to all the other things in that phylum. Mm-hmm. And it shows like how they evolve, how things evolve. How things have things. evolved, exactly, yeah. It just allows you to put things in the right groups and really see, right, okay, this must be quite closely related to this, right, they must be the most common related species together, you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing that came between them or anything like that. The gene technology involved that has come from this is, is amazing, really. You can also make what we call immunological comparisons. Do you remember we talked in our immunity week about antibodies and antibodies bind to antigens you can look at how similar antibodies are between different species so you could get the antibodies from different species for certain things to try and bind to the same protein and that will allow you to see how closely related they are because if antibodies from different species bind to the same protein they must be quite closely related okay and if they don't they're less likely to Mm -hmm. be related it might be that antibodies from all the different primates everything in the primate group all bind to the same protein therefore they're all in the same group Mm -hmm. so that is pretty much all of the information new information for today it was just those different methods that we use to classify to actually make the classification that we talked about last week that's how we put the things in the right group so should we try some questions yes right so question one is three marks straight in there with a three marker State three comparisons of genetic diversity that the scientists used in order to classify a species. RNA, DNA, antibodies and antigens, and um, there's another one, I can't remember. So you've got the base sequence of the DNA. Yeah, that was the proteins and amino 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 acid sequence. And the base sequence of the mRNA. Well done. So all you had to do was name them, state them, and that's all you needed for your three marks. Good, well done. So question two is two marks and we need the resource for this. So if you go to teachmescience.co.uk and you want to take part in this particular Go to the Google Drive, find the episode 53, Methods of Classifications, in the drive at the bottom. Click on it, it's going to have the exam question there. Yeah. So if you want to look at the information, listen to the question, pause it, think of an answer. There's a table, okay? We've got five different animals, A to E. 
it says cytochrome C is a protein involved in respiration. So all we need to know there is that it's a protein, that's it. Scientists determined that amino acid sequence of human cytochrome C, they then determined the amino acid sequence in cytochrome C from five other animals. They compared these amino acid sequences to that of the human cytochrome C. They recorded the number of differences in the amino acid sequence compared with human cytochrome C. And the table shows the results. So you've got yeah. animals A to E, and then the number of differences in the amino acid sequence compared with human cytochrome C. Explain how these results suggest that animal A is the most closely related to humans. Two marks. There's only one difference in the animal A, which suggests that it's the most closely related to us. Yeah, so there's... Stay with us. We'll be right back. A Little Bit De Todo is a podcast about a little bit of everything for curious minds of all ages. I'm Christina, and you can tune in every weekday to learn about things like Cinco de Mayo, Chihuahuas, and volcanoes in Latin America. Episodes are bite-sized, 10 minutes long or less, and always Latin American related. Subscribe and follow A Little Bit De Todo podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Only one difference, so we must have a very similar what? DNA. DNA. A very, very similar DNA sequence or base sequence. Well done. That's excellent. Okay, question three is also on the same resource Just sheet. Next to it. And it looks really, really complicated, but it's not. So you've got two species that both have a very, very, very similar courtship behaviour. So it says courtship and mating in fruit flies can occur equally well in the light or the dark. The diagrams show the courtship sequence of males from two closely related species of fruit fly. A and B, the numbers show the probability that one courtship element follows from another. So you've got a sequence of events that have to take place in order for the mating to happen. So they both approach the female, okay. they both orient, so that means they face the right way, so it might be that they've got to face the back, it might be they've got to face the front, might face the side. They've got to be in a specific position. They do scissor wings. They vibrate their wings. They lick the female. <laughs> they attempt to mate. You can't see what Sarah's doing. <laughs> they attempt to mate. They mate. So the question is, suggest how the courtship sequences provide evidence to support the claim that the two species are both closely related, but also a separate species. It's two separate marks. Okay, two they're separate closely related statements. because they do the exactly the same courtship method. Right, so similar sequence of actions. But it's at a different time. It takes different lengths of time. So the orionate... No, no, no. Those numbers is not time. Oh. Those numbers are the probability that it will move on to the next one. Oh, is it because the probabilities are different then? Well, if you actually look at both sequences and you look at... So, for instance, look at species B... Look at scissor wings. If they go to scissor wings, how do they move on to the next stage? On the A, it's from scissor wings, it goes to vibrate wings. Yeah. And then they go back to orientate so, the female. If you look at the sequence, then right? To vibrate wings. It says, right, okay, so say they approach the female, they orient to the female. If that works for species A, they can either go to scissor wings or straight to vibrate wings. Depending on how good it's looking. If it doesn't work, so if they go to scissor wings and it's not quite happening for them, they might have to go back and orient okay. again. Okay. And then they can try again. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
If an animal from species A tries to mate with species B and they go to scissor wings, it ain't going to happen for them because they're two different species. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the scissor wing behaviour blocks it. A male from species A doing scissor wings blocks the sequence with a female from B. From B. So that's why that would suggest that they are separate species because that part of the sequence stops both species from mating with each other mm -hmm. because it wouldn't result in fertile offspring. So it's a waste of time. But you can see how closely related they are because they do exactly the same thing. So it would be difficult for species A and B just by being near each other to know that they weren't the same species until they tried to mate with them. And then the female wouldn't respond. She go, oh, you're a freak, get away from me. Put scissor wings away. Mm, probably. And then go back to that, back to the thing and go, oh my She's God, oh my God, what is he oh doing over there with him wings? Oh my God. <laughs> scissor wings? God, I ain't seen that for years. <laughs> I don't know what they do over there in species A land, but we ain't having none of that over here in species B land. I'll have to be licked straight away. <laughs> is that, is I mean, where's the vibration? <laughs> Wait, this got, this got weird. Wait, this got weird. <laughs> anyway, you get, you get the point. Uh -huh. So I do the roundup. Yes. We Scissor wings. <laughs> oh, wait, hang on. I'll do the roundup live. <clears throat> we as roundup. There's a new karaoke microphone in the mix, as you might have guessed. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, um, you can hear it. Okay. For breeding to occur within a species, it is important <laughs> that <laughs> members of the species. Members of the species recognise... Why, why, when we're talking into that microphone, do we feel the need to go, la, 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 <laughs> la, <laughs> instead of just talk normally? Yeah. Right. I'll start from the beginning. Okay. For breeding to occur within a species, it is important that members of that species can recognise another member of their own species to ensure that they produce fertile offspring, to pass on their alleles and keep their species alive. Courtship behaviour ensures this can happen. This behaviour is itself genetically determined as it influences the chances of survival. Courtship behaviour not only ensures species recognition, it also ensures individuals can identify a mate that is sexually mature, fertile to increase the chances of fertilisation and to make sure that they're receptive. It also ensures pair bonds can form so that offspring are conceived and reared. This behaviour can also be used to classify individuals as the more similar the behaviour, the more closely related the species will be. Traditionally, the method used for this is comparing observable characteristics, as these characteristics are determined by genes. This has limitations as the environment can also influence external characteristics. As gene technology has developed, scientists can now compare amino acid sequences, base sequences and mRNA sequences of a gene. The more similar the sequence, the more closely related the species will be. Scientists can also make immunological comparisons by analysing similarities in antibodies produced by different species. If antibodies from different species bind to the same proteins, these species are more closely related. All these methods allow classification of species to be updated or added to when new species are discovered. Got any takeaways? My first takeaway is scissor wings my second takeaway is vibrate wings 
And my third <laughs> takeaway is lick female. <laughs> <laughs> Any actual takeaways oh, okay. to do with the episode? Um, Not your new obsession with fruit fly mating. My first takeaway is there are a number of different ways that scientists can see how closely related different things are. Some of these are RNA, DNA, amino acid chains, protein chains, things like that that you can see. Also, they can look at how their antigens and their antibodies go together. And if they do go together from all different species, that means they are more related to each other. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well done. So the wider reading for July is the Higher Biology podcast. You go on there, you have a look, have a little look through the episodes. There's only about 13 episodes, but each one is so worth listening to. I listened to one yesterday on biodiversity to sort of link up with our biodiversity episode that we've got coming up next week. And it was brilliant. It was really good stories, just really good, like good context Mm -hmm. for A-level biology subject matter. And as I said last week, there are episodes on chromosome mutations, evolution, like I just said, biodiversity there's one on photosynthesis there's quite a few to do with biodiversity and just different subjects related to that as well so there's one on sort of food production and another one but i can't remember what it is it's just worth a listen because it does what ours doesn't and it interviews scientists and talks Mm -hmm. to people about the actual wider aspects of the subject whereas we're just talking about the actual subject matter which is much more concise so give that a listen it's worth it okay You can contact us at the following places. Our website, teachmescience.co.uk. You can drop us an email at teachmebiologycast at gmail.co.uk. Is it .co.uk or .com? It's .com. Is it .com? It's .com. Teachmebiologycast at gmail.com. Twitter at at teachmebiocast. And on Instagram at at teachmebiologycast. They're all our points of contact, so if you wanted to get in touch with us for any particular reason, where you found us, why you're listening to us, so what is it, is, is it A-level biology you're doing, or is it something else, because there's lots of people that aren't, where you're from, what you're up to, it's nice to talk to you guys, and if you've got any great revision that you've done, any great classwork you've done, you want to show us, that would be great, let us know what you're up to. Was that the bell? Yeah, that was the bell. Okay, I can't believe I'm saying this. Go on. But I am going to say it. Go on. I think it's coming home. I think think there's a pretty good chance it could come home. Pretty good chance. It's coming home, honestly, I do. The way they played last night, seriously, Mm -hmm. how could they not? That was amazing. Just bear in mind that when you hear this, this comes out the day after the semi-final. So it might not be coming home, but, you know. Well, you know what? Today is Sunday. The way we played yesterday, I cannot believe it. 4-0 Four nil, and I told you when I prayed at five o'clock mass. <laughs> what did I say? Three nil and no extra time. Exactly, and then God gave us four nil. <laughs> One for luck. One for luck. Charlie, be quiet, man. He's excited. He's excited because he knows it's coming home. In summary, In it's summary, coming home. I reckon it's coming home. And actually, this time, genuinely. Uh, my name's Sarah Matthews, and I'm Ria Corbett. This has been Teach Me Biology. Charlie's crying. Oh, better go then. This has been Teach Me Biology. Bye. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. England, England, England. England, England, England.